0: So if you look in data science in general, then Python is by far the most used programming language that there is.
1: Java requires you to know way more about how a computer works. You have to specify every data structure is an array list, is it something like that. Python takes it all away.
2: And for all this, like human in the loop, a human-in-a-loop is done via a nice interface, but also via mailing, like different options. We all use Python. Just if we could all speak the same language, that would really help. And it could be anything, but I propose uh, Python. Hey everyone, welcome to the BOL.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at BOL.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms, the hosts of the show, Peter-Paul
3: van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Well, let's look at another programming language we use at BOLDEFON, Python. It's been around since uh, 1991. It was created by a Dutch guy, Guido van Rossum. And its design philosophy emphasizes code readability. So it's yeah, quite interesting because yeah, in the most Job interviews I have with software engineers, they meant, uh, they mentioned code readability as one of the most important things uh, that there can be. So, uh, now very interesting, uh, thing, I guess. And, um, the language core philosophy is summarized in document, which is called the Zen of Python. And it has a interesting statement like, uh, beautiful is better than ugly. Explicit is better than implicit. Simple is better than complex. Complex is better than complicated. Readability counts. Well, but what are we doing it? What are we using it for? Yeah, interesting question and a
4: a nice. uh, uh, Statements you you had over there at Um, Yeah, In an earlier episode, how we tank Google Cloud resources with R2D2, we discussed the deployment tool we built for our software engineers, and that one was built uh, in in Python. but uh, yeah, within the tech community, we heard that there is more great stuff done in uh, in Python. So um, yeah, we asked around, and not surprising, we ended up in the data science area. So time to introduce
3: our guests of the show. Yeah, so let's do that. We have uh, three guests uh, today, and uh, it was interesting also when we were uh, asking around for guests on the yeah on our internal communications channel. There there were. There was plenty of enthusiasm, so we have uh, three enthusiast uh, uh, people joining us. First of them is uh, Olaf Mewissen. He's a software engineer who has worked mostly uh, with and in data science teams. We have uh, Bas Dunn, a data scientist, an econometrician in assortment and early in partner performance management. And more recently, uh, Jasper Adeges joined us as a data scientist. And he is in the personalization uh, team. So uh, great to have you on the show, guys. Yeah, thank you.
1: Cool. Nice to be here.
3: Thank you. So yeah, uh, uh, let's ask ask a first question. So, do you recognize the statement uh, statements from the Zen of Python, or is that just just theory? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was
2: writing along while you were saying uh, <laughs> beautiful is better than ugly. I uh, can only agree with that. I don't know who disagrees with that. Uh, simple is better than complex. Definitely. yeah. Especially in uh, programming, of course. That's uh, one of the most important things.
3: Yeah. Do you also recognize the, your daily practice working with it uh, at bold.com? Well, yeah. I think what is uh, interesting
1: is that Python really tries to focus to do things one specific way so they call it pythonic and this is clearly in contrast to like Perl, which says there should be many ways of how you should do it and this what you clearly see is that you try to write short concise code that everybody understands straight away
3: and in the in that understanding uh straight away that's also where the readability part comes back i guess yes correctly okay okay hey and um, uh, to give our uh, listeners an idea and what areas do we uh, mostly use python
0: uh, well definitely in the field of data science so if you look in data science in general then python is by far the most used programming la- language that there is um, if you look at universities research almost all code is written in python and i think that's also the reason why we use it so much in bold.com as well in the data science domain.
3: And is it then that uh, people who have basically been to university and got the classes there are just familiar with Python? Or is it that it's very suitable for the task that we use Python? Yeah, Yeah, you would definitely
0: think that. But um, indeed, if you uh, look online at uh, famous uh, data science packages, um, it's all written in Python. Or if it's not written in Python, then the first plugin will be um the python plugin okay. so uh, python is really easy to use and um lots of available documentation for data mm-hmm. science yeah
4: yeah but where where comes the difference because the if you talk about the regular services symbol.com it, it's done in java but mm-hmm. in the data science area you choose for for python uh, what what's the difference in language why you more why you uh, choose for python in the data science area
1: well, I, I work with both. So, uh, I kind of say what the big difference is, is that Java requires you to know way more about how a computer works. You have to specify every data structure is it an array list. Is it something like that? Python takes this all away and tries to only focus on expressing the uh, actual uh, problem you know, that you're trying to solve. So you can focus more on solving the data science problem than actually having to think about how does is implemented in the in the computer itself and uh, it also is therefore maybe slower or uh, less suitable for really complex uh, applications but it is really expressive and that's why it is uh, easier to use in analysis and modeling
4: yeah so you don't have to focus on the on, the, on the, the the software engineering part of it you can focus on the on your model and your algorithm you're working on uh, that's what you say right correct Yeah, yep. okay
2: and also of course the availability of all these packages, right? I mean, uh, uh, look at SK sklearn, uh, the TensorFlow uh, API uh, in that direction. That's all basically made for uh, Python. I would say finding these implementations for Java could be uh, quite difficult because you can see how many lines of code it takes to fit a model to a certain data set in Python. I mean, every line of code uh, has its own meaning in the sense of it's not boilerplate or overhead code. So it's really, really simple to, indeed, as Olaf says, it uh, express the problem and only stay with the things that are uh, important for solving the problem. I would say.
4: Okay, uh, Boss, I hear you mentioning uh, SK Learn and TensorFlow. Can you briefly describe what that is and what it adds to your uh, to your area?
2: Um, Yes, so I, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but TensorFlow is not necessarily Python uh, uh, tool, right? So it's only the, the API that's written in Python. Am I correct? We don't yeah, hear any. Uh,
1: yeah, right. <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> that, that,
2: that's of course. Um, but the, so the TensorFlow is of course a, a machine learning uh, framework. I would don't think they express it that way, but you could like simply describe it as a machine learning framework, uh, just like SK Learn. So it just implements a lot of different models, data processing, pre-processing, uh, analytics of the results, uh, all these handy uh, toolboxes uh, for basically doing data science slash machine learning.
0: Yeah. And a nice difference to note between stuff like SK Learn and TensorFlow um, is that SK Learn is more focused on... And basic modelling, while TensorFlow is uh, focused on deep learning, neural networks, um, that area of expertise.
3: Hey, and uh, to uh, to twist uh, things a little, if uh, Python is more, let's say, uh, aimed at solving business problems and less at, at at boilerplate code, why would these other teams stick with Java and Kotlin and things like that? Same question. Yeah. Have you any ideas? Yeah.
1: So what I see is. What well, the big benefit of, of Java and, and Kotlin is, for instance, is, and so it's static uh, typing. So you can yeah. you have way more control of, okay, this function needs a string. If you go throw an integer in there, it will crash. So when you have a working with like six people building something that lasts for two years and you're building it becomes bigger and bigger, then all that compiler stuff will really help you make that bet- write better code. Also, Java world is really focused on that so the community has like better testing tools better build tools all that kind of stuff and and you can do it in python of course i mean you can also use a screwdriver to hit a nail on the wall but it's not the best tool for it so um java has its benefits but it's really annoying if you have to be type secure when you're just trying to fit a model quickly or open mm-hmm. a csv file and you don't want to Say this first column is strings, this second column is integers, this third column is. We just do it all dynamically. Python
3: allows you to do that. Exactly. So basically, we choose the right tool in the right spot. Hey, to make uh, uh, things clear for us, can
4: you can you uh, describe your yeah your example in your area you're working on um, in terms of functionality, and then uh, based on that functionality, uh, explain us how. How we bring that into production? What's needed for that in our, in our landscape? So maybe first start with an example. Uh...
2: Yeah, I can, uh, give an example. So we have, uh, um, a tool that keeps track of, uh, unwanted assortment in general. Uh, so think about all the forbidden uh, stuff, but also stuff that could, uh, assort that could harm our, uh, our brand as polder come. Um, we want to keep track of that. We want to detect it. That, and that's just, uh, uh, uh we have a tool in Python for that. It's a web application with some scanners behind it that constantly checks the assortment for unwanted, uh, uh, products. And that's actually fully implemented in Python, uh, and implemented in our Kubernetes cluster uh, with all the right uh, components connected to it, like logging, alerting, uh, metrics, uh, proper databases behind it. So it is actually possible to, uh, write, uh, like mature applications in Python and deploy them to uh, our existing infrastructure.
4: Yeah. So, but it, it starts with um, functionality-wise, you say, okay, we want to detect within our—I th- I think it's 20 million products—we uh, want to detect the the, the products uh, that we don't want to uh, see on the on the platform on the site. Yes. Uh, so then you the the you come up with an algorithm, right, to to determine that part.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it depends a bit on what you classify as an algorithm. But w- what we do is, uh, it's of course, um, we currently do it as a batch job. So the interaction with our uh, data warehouse, BigQuery is of course, important there. And that's especially uh, something that Python is also good at since there is like really mature uh, BigQuery API written in Python, uh, actually, to interact with this uh, data warehouse of ours.
4: Because in the data warehouse, you have the, the storage of the description of the products and, uh, and that's what you want to analyze. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that, okay. So you have your input and you have, uh, the, and you created the, um, and what I say is algorithm. Maybe you, you uh, call it another way, but, but how, do, okay. But you run it once and you see, okay, this is something that detects the, the products. But then is then the next next step is okay? How do we automate it further on,
2: right? So how how does yep. that? Uh, well, uh, with this specific problem, there's always needed for uh, um, like human uh, input. You can't take offline products uh, based on what an algorithm thinks, because then we would have to do it perfect. Because everything we take offline, uh, which is wrongfully done, um, we get comments from sellers. Uh, of course, because their products are taken offline and uh, they, of course, yeah. want to sell it. it, will, it will uh, so everything yeah. has to be checked. So it's a lot of things, like, really on the data warehouse side, like, how do we detect these things? But also, where do we get this human in the loop? Uh, and for all this, like, this human in the loop is done via uh, a nice interface, but also via mailing, like, different options. We all use Python. And I think that's also the cool thing about Python. It's uh, capable of doing like this wide variety of stuff from like data uh, warehouse interaction to like data, data flows, data pipelines to uh, user interaction via, well, we'll talk about it later, probably like Flask and Django uh, uh, frameworks, uh, all in the same languages. So that's uh, that really makes it easy uh, on the development side. And that tool you build
4: around that's also. Incorporated in our service landscape and, de- and deployed via the regular CICD pipeline, or is it uh, done differently? Yes, in a different definitely.
2: Way? No, it's like uh, using the same. Uh, yeah, all of you, maybe you can elaborate on that. You, you've seen some of it, but it's using the same uh, infrastructure. Yeah, like deployment pipeline.
4: Yeah, what, what makes it so cool for you, uh, for you guys to, uh, to use this uh, to use Python in, uh, in Bol.com?
0: Um, will we can bring our data science knowledge and do cool stuff with the massive amounts of data that we currently are having with uh, ball.com. So um, we as data scientists, of course, play around with a lot of models. Um, what you usually see in businesses is when data scientists play around with models, there is a huge step that needs to be taken to get that model from, for example, your Jupyter notebook um, to production. Exactly. And... So now P- teams are actually using Python and integrating that in their mainly Java architecture, and which makes it way easier for us to see th- to take the cool stuff that we're seeing on our laptop screen and take it actually into production and bringing it to all the customers in Bold.com. So that, for me at least, is the really cool part.
4: So you, and with playing around, you mean kind of prototyping? Uh, that's what you yes. do, and and. Uh,
0: yeah. Because that. normally that's the main strength of Python, that you can really easily and quickly prototype stuff together. Um, but now you see, at least here at come that also the steps is being taken to take that playing around into production and make it good, proper code. And that's also possible.
3: What in general do we are the steps that we have to take to get uh, that code from uh let's say the experimentation phase to the real production? What are we adding in these steps?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so a lot of things. But one thing that comes to mind here um, is that even in the experimentation phase, in the prototyping phase, you can, uh, if you have like a, a higher quality of writing code, it can already help you.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: indeed, you can do. You can write really, really ugly uh, Python code just to get the job done in a notebook. Uh, but you can already from the start uh, abstract away some things. Uh, just making it even more readable, but also uh, more more modular. Um, so I think it's it's of course not the complete story to to production, but it really helps already in the first steps of prototyping even mm. to like uh, uphold certain uh, quality
3: there. Okay, hey, and now there are. Um... Two times in the in this uh, conversation we already mentor, mentioned the notebooks, and not sure if all our listeners know what they are. So could you uh, help them? What's the notebooks you uh, talk about?
0: Uh, so how do you explain? Well, they, I think you can explain the best A sort of a merger between uh, Microsoft Word and um, a normal development. Tool. So what you can do is you can write text, titles, uh, all sorts of layout stuff, and in between you can write blocks of code, Mm -hmm. and you can um, execute each code, each block of code independently. And that way it's really easy to prototype, really easy to explain what you did in the code, write down what you were thinking, write down your analysis, your conclusions, um, so that it's easy to prototype, easy to hand over to others, um, it makes you really understandable.
1: And if I can add to that, what it really also, it's like an interactive session that you're working in. So if you make a mistake, you can change it, correct it, continue, move on. So that's also really, you don't have to run a whole program, then it fills, then restart the whole program. You don't have to do it. You can do small snippets at a time and it allows you to actually plot graphs and if you open like a big CSV file in a certain package, you can see what that uh, XML or like an Excel table looks like in your notebook. So it's really physical, uh, visual, but also really structural. So in that way, it is really a great interactive tool to uh, do analysis with. I mean, if you want to compare it to like what Java does, how easy is it to have in Java? It's really hard to do. How easy is it to, to open a, a, an Excel sheet of like 60 columns on the fly? It's a one-liner in Python. Doing a graph is another one-liner. And you can plot the whole column from an Excel sheet in two lines. This is what the, really the power of Jupyter are. Yeah. Hey, Olaf, you're uh,
4: a software engineer, right? And, and before you joined the, the teams with the data scientists in, uh, in what languages uh, were you programming the most? Was it Java or not?
1: Yeah, so still I'm uh, working on a service that is uh, because of the um, quality requirements and the, the main focus of the uh, application is to to actually stay online all the time. Um, so it is done in Kotlin and before that in Java using the actual framework that we have within bol.com. Um And I still use Python, but it is... So today, for instance, I had to trigger my own endpoint 40,000 times based on an Excel sheet that I got. So how do you shoot yourself 400 times time? You can do it in bash, and then you have an ugly bash one-liner that no one understands, using curl somewhere and xr and awk or something. But this is, I just open a Jupyter notebook, open a CSV file, write a short loop that runs through it and shoots my own endpoint, a uh, REST endpoint. This is perfect. This is explainable. I can give this to my PO, to my business analyst. If they have to fix something, here's an interface. I don't have to write a whole UI or a web interface for it. And uh, so this is perfect.
4: Yeah. So, and, and,
1: and uh,
4: how was it for you to, to make that shift towards the Python uh, area? You just already explained the, the notebook. So I, I guess it was quite easy. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I have a background in bio- bioinformatics. So this is, uh, I started in Python and then moved to Java. Oh, it was but, the other way around. Okay. <laughs> but, it is, but it is, so, but it is an imperative language. So it's, you just have, to, it is not really like Scala is a bigger change if you really go 100% functional, um, or, or like Lisp. But this is really, this should be hard. And you go away from the CPU. It is more, it's a more abstract language than C or Golang or something. So,
4: yeah. So, so that, that's another, question i think i have is um because you move away from from the, the kernels you're running on etc what about uh the run of those python applications hey? if you think of the the uh, things like hey, we discussed earlier in in our episodes we have excel as our kind of framework in embo.com in for uh, for java we have a ci pipeline, testing performance, but also scalability, 24-7 run. All those aspects, What? What? how are they covered in Python? What? Um, and it's a lot of questions, I, I, I am very aware of that, but uh, can you take us with that?
1: Yeah, so I think um, you, what you find is Java is boring and slow, but but very mature in that way. So I think Maven is not too everyone loves, but it does the job very well. Um, and you see in Python, there's still more multiple options. So even for managing your dependencies, there are multiple options. Poetry starts to become one of the winners, let's put it that way. So that's also gradually moving to one framework. But testing still has multiple frameworks, PyTest, Test. It's kind of also not there yet as much as Java is, uh, but it is growing there. So you do have a sort of a startup problem a bit. But if you invest some time in it, you, it's, oh, it's overcomable. And I have to say that Python, because it's focused on readability, doing one thing clearly and done, it's very mature. It's not as, it tr- doesn't try to be as fast as maybe the JavaScript world, which jumps all over the place sometimes. Uh, so I think we're getting there and as Baldwin, we have to mature in it, but there's clearly a lot of potential. And I think give us a few years and we will be on par. Yeah, so so talking about the the, the
4: frameworks um, in the preparation, you uh, we, we we talked about the Flask framework uh, versus uh, Django. C- can you explain what we use and uh, how we use
2: it and why? Think, think both. So we were actually discussing this beforehand. What's the difference and which one is better? Uh, I don't think one is definitely better than the other. So for, they are both uh, web web frameworks uh, for Python. So it's just defining a route. Uh, do some Python basically uh, and, and, and return something, which could be uh, a templated HTML or uh, JSON formatted uh, uh, response. Um, and they are both doing the same thing. I think Flask is a bit more uh, simple in the sense of uh, not a lot of uh, added added features to it. It's like really the, the core functionality. And Django uh, does the same thing, but has some added modules to it to take away some of the uh, web development struggles you might have, like it has a pre-built uh, administration interface, um, uh, the the, the op- object relational mapping uh, uh, is built in, stuff like that. So it depends a bit on what you want,
0: I think. Yeah. And um, it's not only those two that are um, getting popularity at the moment. So we were running against some performance issue for Flask um, because it was um, a bit too synchronous for us. So we found a nice asynchronous cool tool called uh, Fast API. So, and that leverages the new capabilities of Python to do more asynchronous um, stuff. Uh, and that's really cool. So since Python is young and develop- developing that much, uh, you see all sorts of new packages that uh, are really useful to us uh, emerging. 're gaining popularity.
4: And, and how does that work? If you if you see a, a new tool or, or uh, something popping up, uh, gaining popularity, how, how do we introduce it in Botcom? Is it something we just can start using or how does that work?
0: Well, the, the fun part of working in Botcom is that you are in the part of independent teams. So as a team, you can decide if you want to use something or not. Um, and we are working very agile so if you want to start try something out and see if it works then we built a small prototype of both um, we run a performance test on both and see which one performs better and uh, we make a decision on that and uh, for this particular case flask versus fast api there was a clear winner um, of fast api and then we decided
3: to do that
4: yeah we, we, we talked about the data science area so far um Uh, do we see embald.com the same as we see in in the in the market uh, with with the larger tech companies etc
2: i think google fully adapted uh, python if you see uh, if you look at the 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 apis uh, that they are bringing out i mean uh, that they are releasing it's mainly in python or like first thing they do is in python and then Often also other languages, but it's, uh, almost the Python first, uh, approach uh, they're having. Uh, and I think Python is actually used at a lot of other companies. I don't know, Olaf, whether you, uh, you had some examples, right?
1: Yeah. So Dropbox is famously written in Python as well. Um, but also if you look at, so, like if you look at programming language rankings, you always see Python somewhere in the top. So it's, it's, it's very well adopted and it's very broadly used and it's also fun so it's uh, you can use it in web development you can use it like like in analysis like we said we, you can use it strictly for data science but penetration testing is also done a lot in it and network programming as well not, not really system engineering but or the, the frame, middle layer but really so it's a, a great like swiss knife type of language for using combining different stuff also, the example I gave from going from a CSV file to a REST endpoint call, that's some type of temporary glue you need. Therefore, it's really useful. Penetration testing is also type of analysis kind of approach to it. Um, so you see that there's a use a lot for it. So it pops off everywhere for this type of, um, uh, gluing things together in a, in a readable way. It used to be
4: bash everywhere, but. So it's a nice replacement for Bash in, in different areas. So the, is that you know, if you think about the future of uh, Python in what what does it mean for uh, for us if you uh, if you think about that?
1: Well, I, I think if if you look at it, I think we can we can write a lot of toolings which need le- which you can develop faster because it can be more expressive. So, for instance, think about the assortment tool. You really have to make an interface on our assortment for uh, domain experts to say, yes, this is allowed or this isn't allowed. And we can write a co- pretty complex model behind it using uh, all types of uh, input from different sources. And we, you don't really need uh, a server that can do 10,000 request a second. So why would you go all the way there? So then it's, that's great. I think a lot of business analysts could really drop writing complex Excel sheets that no one dares to touch. Because, you know, how, there's no quality control there, but there's also no versioning. So if you use Python, you can at least throw some versioning tool under it. Uh, you can uh, share code snippets with each other, do abstract stuff away, it's, it's way more effective. Uh, so if web development, I think it's a place for it. Uh, analysis and uh, BI, uh, business analysts can really use it. Uh, can also maybe bridge it so we don't have to write Everything by IT people just make business analysts write their own programs to a certain degree. And of course, data science is just going to grow and grow. So there's yeah. only growth there.
2: Yeah, to, to add to that, I think if everyone could speak the same language, whatever it might be, like programming language, that would really help. Except especially this example you had, Olaf, with uh, the business analyst with this huge Excel sheet. Uh, Having to explain this to uh, a software engineer, if it was already written in Python and maybe not uh, according to the standards of proper software engineering, but just the same language would already help a lot. If you just have this algorithm, you want it implemented within a service. It's just a mathematical formula. Having this in Python is already way more helpful than uh, all these cells connected in uh, an Excel sheet, right? So just if we could all speak the same language, that would really help. And uh, could be anything that I propose uh, a Python since it's readable and uh, easy to learn as well but could also be something else
4: yeah, yeah but it's t- okay so this this is kind of a nice promise eh? talking about the same language so it would be uh, more easy to uh, to interact and to explain things to each other but the language is already here since the early 90s right so when was the the, the actual breakthrough of Python in in uh, yeah, overall, but also in Ball.com.
2: What uh, what was needed for that? So I don't know that much about the Python history within Ball.com, but I can imagine that the the data science uh, once really started with organizing data science in a bigger way than it was before, uh, that also uh, correlates with uh, the usage mm-hmm. of uh, Python within Ball. So yeah. I think that that's the case, but. Not sure uh, what was happening before that. Of course, also always some people. but
4: might be interesting to dive into that uh, a bit deeper, uh, uh, do some investigation and research, uh, because I find it interesting, yes.
2: I must say. Maybe um, we have a tool somewhere that was used uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it was written mm-hmm. in Python, or like yeah. the years ago.
4: Yeah, I, I read somewhere that the, 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 the Python language has uh, evolved over the years, so in, in versioning, and the, the older versions are not compatible anymore. So maybe that, that's also something to do with it.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I think it's mainly also that uh, what you see is there was a, a fight or a battle among scripting languages. You had Perl, Ruby, PHP, Python, all that. And the more people started to share code, the more readability started to count. And this is why Perl is really, is, is plummeting. It used to be larger than Python and had way more packages, but because you can write everything in a different way, the readability was quite low. So then at a certain point, this philosophy of really trying to get it to be simple and just having one way of writing it, also make sure that all the Stack Overflow answers at the same answer at a certain point. So for newcomers, Python is way more uh, easy to, to get into than maybe different scripting languages. Uh, exactly. Uh, okay.
4: Well, yeah, a lot of information already so far. Uh paul i looking yeah, at you well, again.
3: I was thinking about history because I, seven years ago, I already explored some Perl that we did in earlier days at Ball.com, but I couldn't find any Python back then, as far as I could oversee the landscape uh, back then. So I really also think that with uh, with the rise of data science, also uh, Python, uh, uh, yeah, came more into uh, into the picture at uh, at com. I think that it has really helped us uh, uh, to grow. Uh, yeah, fr- from doing just excels and where the excels were all crunching and but nobody had version control, no readability, no one understood what they were, and that it really has helped. Uh, making an enormous step in our uh, data analysis uh, capabilities and that is that we really, really benefited uh, there. So I, I really like to see uh, that looking more back in our history uh, uh, there. Yeah, cool.
4: Yeah, it was, was one, one uh, item that I, I found out uh, during the preparation, uh, uh, Jasper shared uh, two weeks ago uh, something that was happening uh, on, on the site. Um, but maybe Jasper, you can share it yourself better. It, it was, uh, I think, a cool yeah. story to share. Uh,
0: uh, it's, it's a nice way of showing how uh, data science can help in general, uh, for example, at bold.com. Uh, so now we are currently facing, of course, the, the Corona crisis. Um, and we as data scientists, of course, are curious what that does with our data. So um, if you look at the homepage of Ball.com, you see a couple of things that pop out. So for example, it shows you what products you bought, um, it shows you what products you viewed, but it also showed you what products were trending at the moment um, for, for the last couple of hours. And in the beginning of the corona crisis, you saw a lot of um, health masks, Um, being uh, published for over 30 euros a piece. So a lot of money. And normally trending wasn't the the best achiever for those uh, campaigns. But what you were seeing when those masks were displayed that the click-through rate of those uh, masks were shooting up like crazy. So everyone clicked on it just because they were curious how can you probably, how can you sell a mask for 30 euros a piece? Um, And then you think, why is that relevant? Well, uh, we as Bolder.com need to decide what campaign we show to which person. So for example, uh, for some people it might be relevant to show um, the you bought campaign. So you just bought a phone, maybe you want a case that comes with it. Um, But for others, trending might be more relevant. But if trending performs way better because of the Corona crisis, for example, then we need to prioritize trending much higher than the you bought campaign. And data science can help with that to do that automatically, because before we did it with a fixed set of uh, weights for each campaign. So there was no data in there, um, and therefore the Corona crisis wouldn't have been picked up. And therefore the prioritization difference wouldn't have occurred. But now we have an automatic tool, machine learning algorithm that looks at the data and decides which campaign gets uh, priority over the other. And that way we were able to make sure that trending was shown more to customers because it was more relevant for them at this uh, time. Yeah, it's a really cool application.
3: I just uh, took a quick peek uh, at what uh, what the homepage uh, shows now. It's still during the Corona crisis. So there are uh, puzzles there, as you uh, could expect, uh, game consoles. Uh, but the uh, temperature here in the Netherlands is for the first over 20 degrees. So also there was an airco there. Yeah. So <laughs> the we have first
0: airco of the season. Yeah, watch it. I, I do it almost every day. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, let's go to the closing round, Jens. Uh, um, can you share your most important takeaway with us?
0: Um, well, I think two things. If you're doing data science... Definitely use um, Python, and if you want to do quick prototyping and do quick analyses, then also definitely use Python. And for the more robust stuff, um, maybe something else
2: is
4: better. Thanks, Jasper.
2: Was um, yes. Yeah, so also an, uh, a question. So um, the, uh, first of all, don't, don't let you no know, in general. So like. I would say don't let the simplicity fool you. I think it can be used in in productional uh, systems, but we are not there yet. We need some some time and some help to professionalize uh, just the usage of Python within BOL.com, just like I suppose we did in the beginning with Java. I mean, Java out the box isn't uh, what we're currently using, uh, right? It's, it's like a whole framework around it, which makes it easy to use within Ball. We also need this for Python and uh, we're slowly uh, working towards that. Um, but we could also use uh, input from others, which that we can really uh, mature and professionalize uh, the usage of uh, Python with Imbol. Nice,
1: Enough? Yes, so I would definitely say, if you haven't tried it out yet, try out Jupyter Notebooks, really try it out. If you're a software engineer, try it out, see how it can be used to fix your application from the outside or help you with additional tooling. If you're a business analyst, really try it out, see how much how much more stuff you can do than Excel, and it's way better than Excel in so many ways. And uh, if you're already in analysis, you already use it. So I don't have to tell you.
3: Great. Yeah, to add First to time. that uh, remark of Olaf, I think that for software engineers, where they're really interested in in the data of their in their services and what's going on there, and what. Uh, yeah I don't know trends they can see from there that using these notebooks uh, is is really cool for them and really easy also to take business analysis uh, for people with them it it would be really great if they could do that yeah yes
4: yeah Yeah, that's also for me uh, what I take from this uh, from this talk guys. the it's it's good to learn uh, yeah from your examples, from uh, what we went through, what, what you're facing, but also the, the, the insights in, in your ideas about the future and indeed getting rid of Excel, some really complex Excel files. Uh, it uh, can be really useful. And, and talking the same language with uh, different areas of the organization is really uh, insightful. So yeah, thanks for your time to, uh, to spend with us and uh, maybe till next time.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at bol.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!